and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Well, good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, let me say at the outset this morning that I don't know how well what I have to say today will translate to our wider audience across the globe uh, because it's very much aimed at you as the Q Church family. Uh, but hopefully within it, as ever, there'll be some things to glean and, uh, and help on others' journey on the way. And also one of the reasons they listen to us is because of our journey. So hopefully that will help. Um, this movie, Braveheart, is, is one of my all-time favorites. It's a long time ago now, isn't it? 1995. That's a long time. That's nearly 30 years, isn't it? Um, but for me, it became a source of emotional and, um, and inspirational material because it seemed to connect so much with my journey. It, it drew me, I guess, to a type of character that I hoped I was and wanted to be if I wasn't that. Certainly wanted to become. Uh, and that's not a man wearing a skirt and running around in makeup, incidentally, just in case you're worried. I only do that one day a week. <laughs> but in the context of being a brave warrior willing to fight against tyranny, and particularly the tyranny that I saw imposed upon my fellow countrymen in the form of the religious spirit. And I've spent so much of my life in ministry and in this city, uh, first of all, being shocked and appalled at what I've seen that I would call the religious spirit coming out of the church, coming out of ministry. And uh, of course, within the whole spectrum of Christendom, um, that religious spirit that binds people, that, that, that imposes upon them a bondage and not the freedom that it was supposed to bring. And so hence the reason why I uh, connected and attached very emotionally and personally to this movie Braveheart. Now, I see the principles of that linking with another aspect of my life, which has always been Bible, Bible stories, the history that made up those stories. And uh, one of my favorites in there uh, that's become more of a favorite um, in this phase of my life is the story of Abraham. It's a fascinating story. You should go read it. Just go and read, particularly from Genesis chapter 12. And uh, I hope that you could see, if you read it, 
what I see in it. One of the reasons I don't always read the exact verses now from Bible is because I think, you know, I'll convey to you what I understand. You can go and read it anytime. I don't need to do what you can do in your own time. What I need to do is what you can't do on your own time, which is hopefully bring some insight and interpretation. And in the story of the Hebrew patriarch, Abram, um, it's a kind of Braveheart story of its day in reality. Um, because this guy, Abraham, who, uh, if we're going to go by current geographical cultural location, was actually what one could call a heathen Iraqi, because <clears throat> his birthplace was more in what we would know current-day Iraq, and uh, his faith base, if you might call it that, or, his, or let's call it more his belief structure, was more influenced by the pagan beliefs around at that time in those areas like Iraq. And uh, this story of Abraham I see then as being very much a, a brave art story. Now, what's interesting is even some of you may miss the nuances of this. It begins by talking about Abram, A-B-R-A-M, Abram. And then his name is changed to Abraham, A-B-R-A-H-A-M. And uh, what's interesting about that is, is that the name of God that was proposed then was, was the name Yah. And so what we find is that as, as Abraham journeys in faith, he becomes a different person. And what makes the difference is that within his name is incorporated the very essence of God himself. So we have Abraham, the very name of God. And, and for me, that's so consistent because the whole essence of the journey I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes is that God becomes a part of us. Not that we just become attached to or believe in or consider or follow, but, but you've missed the point until he becomes a part of you, until Abraham becomes the story. And uh, that was always the desire, it was always the essence and uh, uh, even when we get to the New Testament, and, and, and the Apostle Paul understands it because he talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God is within you. It's that integration that makes us one with the divine. Now, now one of the tyrannies of religion is that it separated us from our oneness with the divine and keeps us separate and makes Jesus just a kind of an intermediary that sort of makes God on a good day feel that maybe it can allow us to at least approach his presence without being squished like a bug. That is not the gospel, that's tyranny. And that's been used to hold people captive to a belief system that if you're going to talk about a heaven and a hell, that didn't come from a heaven, that came from a hell. It's a hellish principle, the lie of separation. Because right from the beginning, we have this move towards God and Abraham becoming one. And so he says, in, in this beginning of this story in Genesis chapter 12, and verse 1, it talks about God had said to Abraham something, Abram something, and this is what he said, leave your country, your people, your father's house, and go to a land I will show you. So Abraham is told to leave his country, his people, and his father's house, and go to an unspecified place that he will be shown. 
And I find it fascinating that he is being sent to an unspecified place that he will be shown. What that means is it's never about arriving at a destination. It's all about the uptake of a journey. And the journey is the glory, not the destination. Now again, the tyranny of religion changed that around and said it's all about destinations. Heaven, hell, salvation, damnation. It made it about destinations when actually the true story was never about destinations. It was about journey. And so the emphasis in in what was said to Abraham was on you go and I'll show. And when you break the tyranny of religion that says you come and you might get and change it back to this way of faith. It's you go, and I'll show. You go, and I'll show. And that's what I've tried to engage in my life since understanding how bound I was by the things of the past that I now regret, that I did not understand the just you go, and I'll show. This was and is to come the model for all faith. It's interesting, you know, there's a phrase in... In Revelation, talks about Jesus being the one who was and is and is to come, this ongoing thing. And this you go and I'll tell is and was and is and is to come, the model for all faith. You go and I'll show. Now, this is not because there's no value to be found in the various things that have contributed to the development of who we are. Country people, Father's house contributed. But it's a challenge to how they develop and become a permanent position in all of our lives and then we become stuck. And these three areas of influence that Abraham needed to leave behind are representative of everything that develops a hold on us that drives us to the management of our lives rather than movement in our lives. The influences that had brought him to where he was were now holding him back from who he needed to become and where he needed to be. Now again, we could talk for a long time about the story. Even the place that God speaks to Abraham in is a place called Haran. And the interesting thing is that his father... Abram's father was the father of three sons, and Abram's brother was Haran, and Haran died younger than Abraham. And so when they begin to go on this journey, they camp at a place called Haran. How fascinating. It's the same name as the son that was lost, and that the father could go no further than the pain that was in his life from the experience that he had. That's so many of our story. We can't go any further than the place that represents the pain that we have struggled. So we stay in that place. We get stuck at the point of our pain, at the point of our disappointment. So if I just break those three down very quickly, I think country is the widest thing because they're like three circles that are closing in country, people, father's house. And the truth is, I understood this many years ago, that, that the smaller the level of influence is, the harder it is to leave that influence. So country, if I just briefly talk about this, country is like the common narrative. It, it, it's the thing that dictates normal is country. 
And in church life, in our life, there is a thing that dictates normal, a common narrative. I grew up with a common narrative in church. And then there's people, which now you're down to tribal. And that's something we bring more into a personal attachment. It could be denominational. It could be a particular thing within denomination. It could be a way of seeing things, but it's a tribal thing that we develop and defend that's really then become an emphasis in our lives. A father's house, of course, is the most intimate of those three things because father's house, when you talk about father, it's that from which we've drawn our identity and security to the present time. And that's probably the hardest one that we have to leave. Now, I'm bright enough to recognise our great difficulty in fulfilling the call to go is the reality that we develop a deep-seated emotional connection with these things that we see as our roots our belonging. Well, we've always done it this way. This is how we are. This is what we do. And they've been responsible for shaping our, our preferences, which we see as being much more than preferences. We don't think that a lot of the things we fight for are just preferences, but they really are. They're just preferences that have been shaped because we're still stuck in country people father's house. So for Abraham to go, it would require more than just a tinkering with developed beliefs. It would require a radical move into faith and a paradigm shift with an inner conviction that all will be well. Now I've tried to lead Q to have that same mindset, a brave heart mindset, an Abrahamic view of the world, to understand how past and present influences can stall progress and how settlers can become pioneers, settlers can't be pioneers, and how tent over temple means more than means movement over management. If you build a temple, you're stuck. Abraham was told, take a tent and go. Movement over management, movement over management. Now, some would say my management in this church has been very weak, but that's for one reason, because I prefer movement over management. See, I would say it's not faith that you need to start the journey. It's courage. Faith is what you need for the journey. Courage is what you need to start the journey. Belief is not a journey, it's a destination. Belief is about arriving. Faith is not a destination. Faith is a journey towards. Faith is all about going. It's sometimes not faith for the journey that we lack, but the courage to leave in the first place. I mostly showed the video that we showed this morning for one reason. And I've sought to bring you to a place of maximum freedom from all that I believe constituted bondage and tyranny in the thing we call our faith. I've sought to bring you to a place of choice. Now, you can run and you live but dying in your beds many years from now, you might wish you'd given all that time from that day till this to come back for one chance to realize you could actually change the world 
if you just had the courage to leave and go. Or you can seize the opportunity to do something that will resonate for the years to come, bringing freedom to thousands. And this is why I showed you that video, because I, we, have brought you to a place of freedom. But my question is, like Wallace's, what will you do with that freedom? I appreciate for some of you the um, content and context of these videos may not readily be as alive as they are to such as me. Uh, I've chosen them for a reason that they have context for me at this time. Uh, I will recommend go and watch Brave. If you've never seen it, you need to go and watch it. But there's enough in there if I can just explain for those who maybe are not so clear. I played this because I want you to see the look on, on uh, Wallace's face when he realizes that those who he thought were with him actually weren't. And when it comes down to that last scene, it's because the guy who you see on there in the armor, who he finishes up, you know, almost killing with his knife, is Robert the Bruce, who would eventually in the story would actually lead the Scots to victory at the Battle of Bannockburn. Because at the end, when he picks up the swatch, now of course this is, this is uh, license, this is artistic license in the story, but the swatch was something that meant something to Wallace from the very beginning of his journey, when the tyranny caused the one that he loved to be murdered and he carried that cloth and that was the mark of his commitment that he would never let that day go to waste but he would pursue it all of his life until he brought freedom to all of his fellow countrymen and so when Robert the Bruce picks that up at the end that's the mark in the movie that in spite of the betrayal something's changed in his heart and he's actually caught the purpose and now he's on a different track. Now let me also say at this time that I was raised with and totally scared by the idea that there was the will of God for each life. It, it intrigued me but terrified me because we were taught that the will of God was like, was like the dots on a, on a join the dot picture and uh, that if you didn't just join these dots in life in the correct way at the correct time, that you missed the will of God for your life. You would never become what God intended for you to become. And um, uh, what I was taught was heavy on conscience. That's all it was, heavy on conscience. And, and all that led to was guilt and condemnation and wondering and regret. And uh, even in the more mature years of my my faith walk, I had to struggle with some of those things because you get bound in the what-ifs and something that Scott Peck calls the tyranny of the shoulds. If only I should have. You know, if I had. Maybe I should have done that and then. And we get caught in that somehow, again, in the tyranny of this whole thing, believing that God is so petty and so uncaring that he would, he would, with very unclear methods, 
request and require of you that you follow a specific path that you must not get wrong if you were to walk into the fullness of what we would call his blessing and his call on your life. It's a lie and it's utterly wrong. This is a walk of graceful relationship. And again, I would point you back to the story of Abraham becoming Abraham where God becomes totally part of him and he becomes part of God to see how that was a walk of relationship and companionship and friendship. And Jesus said something very important that is missed by so many people. He said, I've called you friends. See, too many people still live in a Christianity that makes us servants and slaves. And you know, even more so, some have made the journey that we've become sons. But you know what's even better than a son? A friend. You know why it's better than a son? Because sons are born and don't choose to be born, and then parents can't choose whether those children are their children or not. They just are. But you can choose friends. But the Bible talks about the heart of God, the heart of the divine, the heart of Jesus being one that pulls towards friendship, wanting to be our friend. That puts a different spin on the whole thing and pulls us away from that idea of this will of God thing that we must keep unless we are to find our way. The reason I mentioned that is this and showed that video is because we have a choice under the challenge of every change. And that choice is either to live in pity or to live in potential. And when change comes, it's amazing how many people drift to pity. Isn't it a pity that we don't worship like that anymore? Isn't it a pity that we're not led in prayer every meeting from the front? Isn't it a pity that we don't have an appeal? Isn't it a pity that we don't preach like this? Isn't it a pity that blah, blah, blah? Or there are others that see potential and say, it's not about leaving that behind that is the issue. It's about going to, where are we going to? What is the potential in the direction that we have chosen in the journey that we have undertaken? And there's a challenge and it comes to me, a very personal challenge. What do you do when people won't go with you? What do you do with the disappointment? What do you do when expectations become unfulfilled? And that, that's true for all of our lives, and it's true for me. It's true for us in ministry. And the hardest thing, what do you do, especially when they said they would, and they didn't? A personal, a personal note I've always been saddened and, 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 and don't want any of you ever to say this to me. Mostly, and Chris will back me up on this, people who say, I will never leave you. I will never do what they've done. Invariably, it's just a matter of time because once that's been stated, there comes a challenge like with Robert the Bruce, like with the cavalrymen. The cavalrymen who would not attack the battlefield is because the king of England had offered them land and titles in England and so they pulled out. And with Robert the Bruce, he thought it was the best way for him to get the throne of Scotland. And so Wallace was upset because you said you would, but you didn't. But what do we do with that? Do we live in pity or do we see potential? Should the cause be allowed to die because of that? The question is, if, is it in you? Because if it's in you, 
it can't die. And one hopes that somewhere in all the toing and froing, something awakens on the inside, like that moment in the film with Robert the Bruce, so strong that it carries the hopes and dreams of those who dared to step out and rise above to the place called Next. That's all I want to bring you to, the place called Next. For every righteous cause, there's a Bannockburn in the Scottish story. There's a Mount Moriah in the Abram story. There's a resurrection in the Jesus story. And I believe there's a yet to be written in the Q story. The swatch of cloth in the video symbolizes the taking up of the cause. So my question is, have you picked up the cloth? Just like last week, I've been responsible for choosing the videos, much as I trust and appreciate what Chris does every week in preparing them. These have been very specific to me and what I wanted to talk to you about. And in this, uh, in this clip of, of Forrest Gump running, um, I think if you notice from what happens in his running, you know, when he says, when the lady says, you know, some pe- when he says some people uh, think that it gave them hope, and I'm not sure about that. But then you see the lives that he's affected, and I guess the great hope uh, for anybody running a race in life is that people will be changed by what you did, and lives will be affected, and maybe some people got blessed and healed and, and redeemed and, and rich and successful and able to face life with a greater sense of purpose and and belonging, and oneness, and integration with the divine and all that's good. And um, I'd like to say at the outset that, uh, unlike Forrest Gump, I do know why I started running and why I've continued to run. Um, he, He makes a statement on there which I think is lovely. He says, somehow what I was doing seemed to make sense to people. And uh, I hope that somehow what I've been doing seems to make sense to people. There's there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. We've got a little, well, we did have a little snippet on it somewhere on our wall at one point that got painted over. And the part of that verse is this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Because we were very committed to the whole process of there is a race marked out for us and the only race we are responsible to run is the one marked out for us, not somebody else's race, our race. And that applies corporately for us as a, as a, as a church, as a community, and it applies to each of us individually running the race marked out for us. However, I also need to say that when I watch this clip that was used in this place a few weeks ago. It confirmed something that had been happening to me for quite a while uh, and summarized, I guess, a deep-seated feeling that needed to be addressed. And uh, that was one step among many that brought me to this day. And what I have to inform you is that I'll be retiring from my role at Kew on, on the 28th of March this year. Now, you might think that's very soon. Isn't it a bit of a knee-jerk reaction? Well, no, it isn't. 
It's been something considered for some period of time. It's been something that's been measured in my own heart. It's been an answer to questions that I have been asking. And had, if we understand anything like confirmations, things have happened that have said to me, yes, this is the time. There's also the issue that we have been talking to the directors and the leaders. This is not a, this is not a shock to them. And uh, Chris and I had intended that the, the date that this would happen would be the 3rd of July, which would mark 31 years exactly um, of my senior leadership here at the house. But then it became apparent that having made the decision, really, it was just filling time for the inevitable that would come. Uh, and that actually it was not really helping the process of where we needed to get to. Now, do you understand why I've talked about go? And I'll show why I've talked about the need to have something in your heart that ties you to a journey for the future. And there are two things that struck me from watching this Forrest Gump video uh, that really struck home to me when I saw it the other week when it was played in here. And one was that Forrest becoming conscious of how long he'd been running for. You know, he said, I'd run for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. Well, in my case, in leadership, I've run for 45 years. I've run for 38 years on staff. I've run for 30 years, almost 31 years, in the senior role. And when I saw this, I realized that my heart was echoing what Forrest was saying, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. And just like that, my running days were over. Secondly, it was when Forrest stopped on the road having run and people had followed him and pursued him and been led into a who knows where, which I would fully acknowledge that's about where I've led you into the who knows where, but that's where God called Abraham into the who knows where. He didn't know where he was going, he just got up and went. And what that really brought home to me was when Forrest stopped and said, I'm pretty tired, I'm going to go home. The response of the people who followed him was, and this may be your response, now what are we supposed to do? And that's a good question. And it's one that's going to have to be answered. And it's one that I can't specifically answer for you because I have that question for myself. After all that I've been through, now what am I supposed to do? Yeah, if I'm not the gong ringer. Now this is not without talk and conversation and planning behind the scenes. Don't worry that this is all up in the air. We're trying to move forward. And obviously, whatever needs to be talked about in the coming weeks will be talked about, but it's a journey. Do you understand now why I wanted to bring you to Abraham at the beginning? Leave your country, your people, your father's house. They are not what is defining you. Go to a place that I will show you. And I think there's a place to be shown to which you need to go. And to do that, you may have to leave even Father's house. And I also want you to understand, lest you think this is an off-the-cuff decision, this has been my whole life 
for my whole life. And I mean that. I mean fully committed, fully invested. It's been my whole life for my whole life. This is not something I dipped my toe into for a couple of years to see how it would go and what I thought and have been in and out. It's something I've given my whole life to for my whole life. Now, to some degree, that may not stop, but it's not going to carry on in the way that it is now at this present time. So what next? Well, first of all, this is not my last Sunday, okay? It's not the 28th of March yet. That's my birthday, incidentally. <laughs> Gifts gratefully received. <laughs> this is not my last Sunday. But I want to read to you some words that Paul wrote to Timothy, who was kind of a son. Timothy was to Paul, really, as Q is to me. And this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. The time has come for my departure. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. So let me finish in what is news to most of you with a clip from a fuller statement that I made earlier this year about my struggle with belief, doubt, and faith. And then we move on into what we move on into. I hold this hope that future generations will learn to guide people beyond obsession with beliefs and into faith. Faith that breathes meaning into life. Faith that flows through consciousness. Faith that joins the dots through the number next. I do not regret, regret my journey because I do not regret who I have become. Faith and doubt together have made me who I am. I wouldn't want to live without either. So I hope it's the case with you, but it's the case with me. I continue to join the dots. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>